what's good everybody welcome to tvt this is your host mish it feels like it's been such a long time because i wasn't in studio last week i was dealing with some stuff and school and finishing school and yeah i'm done finally i think i can say i'm kind of done because i have assignments and exams to do and i feel so bad because everybody that i'm meeting is finishing exams today or tomorrow and it's making me feel some type of way but anyway i'm i'm glad i have the time to actually study and those who are writing exams now haven't had the time to study <laughs> no pressure though anyway i'm so excited to introduce our guest millie mai today um she's so awesome i just met her today but we've had such a great conversation already so i can't wait for you guys to meet her and um why is it snowing in nanaimo like is it not summer or spring it's like a quarter to to summer why why do we have snow i'm so upset and um i need to talk to someone so if you know someone that i can talk to about this weather send me a message okay the first song i want to play for you guys today is called stay with me by anatoria anatoria is all the way from zimbabwe She's based in the UK, but she is doing big things. And I really love this song. I heard it on the weekend. And of course, I had to play it for us here. Enjoy. Hands on the beat. Is nature? Sometimes I live righteously and holy. Go straight forever once your eyes on me. Bye. 
everybody. Welcome back to TVT. This is your host, Mish, chilling with my special guest, Millie Mai. Hi. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited to get Why? started. This is all new to me. I've never been in any kind of experience like this before. It's such a pleasure to have you. You know, you could have stayed in bed today and yeah, but you came. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah. I was excited to be here. That's so awesome. So tell us about Millie Mai. What is happening with you? Yeah, well, where do I start? I um, I moved to Nanaimo about four years ago. I was born and raised in England. I lived there for 16 years. Um, and then my family saw an opportunity to move here and we took it. So I moved here with my parents, my two younger brothers. Uh, I started at high school and now I'm at Vancouver Island University in my second year of business, um, majoring in marketing, minoring in management and super excited to start my career actually did you know why your parents chose Nanaimo or yeah so they'd always wanted to move away from England right. and they were looking to move to Canada because it just has such a different quality of life um, there were so many opportunities for us here and it was actually between uh, Vancouver Island or Kelowna um, but then my mum got a place at Vancouver Island University mm. that's the path we took to get in and we that's that's how we took it. That's amazing. What do you love most about VIU? VIU, I've made some really awesome connections here. That was something I was worried about because I'd grown up with all the same friends in England. I knew the same people for 16 years. Like that was my community. Those were my people. And I came here and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make new friends. But it's actually been a really awesome experience. I've met some amazing people. I've had some really cool opportunities and I appreciate that the university has given me that opportunity to do that. That's amazing. Um, how how long did it take you to make friends? And yeah. did you did you are you someone who's outgoing? Like, do you go to people and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Or I like to call myself like uh, an extroverted introvert. Right. So <laughs> I like I like my alone time. I like my own personal space. Uh, but also, I need to have people. I need to have like people to talk to, people to like vent to. So when I first moved here, I actually went straight into grade 11 at NDSS. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of crazy going into like the last years of high school. Everybody already had their own friend groups and I like had to find my people. Um, so it took a little bit. It took like about six months to find my people. Wow. I, I kind of went through a couple different friendship groups. I like had a couple different friendships. All were amazing people, but I finally like, I found my group, um, the people that I, felt super comfortable with and I'm like this is where I'm supposed to be and you know we sort of grew up together um we like was developing that friendship and a lot of them go to BIU now so that was like a really nice transition for sure was moving with your family did it make your experience better in terms of um at least you knew that you were going home to be with your family did that make your mm -hmm. yeah yeah it definitely helped because even if I had a horrible day at school I didn't have anyone to talk to I always have my family to come back to mm -hmm. and you know me and my brothers we were all going through it at the same time right um my youngest brother started in the last year of elementary mm -hmm. so we were all just sort of figuring it out as we went along we've never been in this experience before um but it helped to go through that experience as a collective you know to have those conversations with each other and to validate each other's feelings like it's okay to not make friends on the first day of school right like you should not be expected to have a, a solid girl group after mm -hmm. being there for one week it takes time to find your people for sure. 
and your little brother like how do you how do you help someone who's so young who doesn't understand that okay you know there's difference in systems that um enforce that difference mm -hmm. exists how do you you know i would say it was almost easier on them i have two brothers um and when we moved here one went into the last year of elementary and then one went into the first year of high school mm -hmm. so he so the one that went into the first year of high school he was like already with a group of new people they were all looking to make friends and yeah marshall my youngest brother he's super socially super outgoing he has no problem making friends i have to say that the british accent helped <laughs> <laughs> it was something to talk about it was always a conversation starter right and i was like you know what? i can use this mm -hmm. this is gonna this is gonna help me uh, make those connections have these conversations with people it still does right. honestly you know <laughs> Um, even like I, I just got a new job and I, I do a lot of calls on the phone and whenever I'm on the phone, people are like, oh my God, I love your accent. Right. And I'm like, this is great. This is how I'm going to make new friends, talk to new people. Cause yeah. I always have something to talk about. I love your accent. I think I could listen to you every, like every day. You should start a podcast. Okay. <laughs> it definitely used to be stronger. Like my English friends, they yeah. think I sound Canadian, but my Canadian friends, they think I sound super British. So you I do. get, I get made fun of on both ends. There's no winning <laughs> oh with this. There's no winning. But going back to the um, topic of your brothers, so do you think because they don't know um, about these systems or everything that is happening, it just made them ignorant? Like they, they couldn't see what was happening, so they just existed? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, both of them play sports. They both, both play soccer, and they're pretty good at it. Right. So uh, that gave them a little community to start with. Mm. As soon as we moved here, they were like immediately find a soccer club. So they they were able to make those friendships um, and they went into the soccer academy mm -hmm. at NDSS so they always had that community around them and that was always something for them to start on so I would say um, it was definitely difficult for me because I didn't have that coming in here right. I'd finished all my sports in England I was ready to concentrate on my <laughs> I studies I was done with sports yeah like I, I used to be super sporty I yeah. did ballet I did netball yeah who knows what it is over here and I did um like field hockey athletics um Lots of, lots of different stuff. But mm -hmm. then I came over here and I was like trying to focus on my studies kind of thing. Uh, so that was definitely an interesting transition. But I, I came over here with nothing and no one. It was it was really scary. Yeah. It was like moving to a brand new continent. And I'd never, we came like two years before just to check it out. I'd never seen the house we were moving into. It mm -hmm. was like coming in blind. But you know what? It worked out. So I'm glad, I'm glad we did it the way we did. I learned a lot. I gained a lot of confidence from the experience for sure. And if I hadn't done it, I think I'd be a much different person today. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you said your mom is Guinean or your dad? My dad is from Ghana. He's right. from Kumasi. Uh -huh. And my mom is from Manchester in oh. England. Okay. Yeah. So have you been to Ghana before? No, we haven't actually. Yeah. Um, a lot of his family moved with him. When he first moved to England, he moved to London. Okay. So that's where a lot of uh, his family, his brothers are based. Mm -hmm. So I've like met all of that part of the family, like... Um, I've like been to that church and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, then he moved away from all of them to Manchester. Um, but no, we haven't been back to Ghana yet. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that we'll be able to go next year. That would be really cool. So I can meet like that side of the family and just like um, immerse myself in that culture because right. I think it's definitely a big part of my life, but I'm not as connected to it as I could be. Right. Um, and how have you navigated your, you know, your double identity? That one's been hard mm -hmm. because um, I grew up in a very white town. Right. All my friends were white. There was maybe at my primary school uh, when I first went there, the only black people were me and my brothers. Uh, it's gotten more diverse since. And then at high school, in my grade, there was maybe five black people in it. 
that it was I was one of very few. Mm. So that was a very difficult thing. And even coming here, it's not as that. Well, I didn't expect it to be super diverse, but I thought maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> we like see each other in school and look at each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, you go here. Yeah, like you give that nod. You're like acknowledging, like I know that you're going through what I'm going through yeah. right now. So like you know, I feel you in that way. But yeah, that part has been kind of difficult to navigate mm. um, because I've had I've had nobody to talk to about it. It's only been very recently actually that I've found like a black community and I have some really close black friendships that I really cherish because mm. I can have conversations with them that I've never been able to have with anyone else. Right. Um yeah, like shout out to Adra and Nina. Like you know Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I appreciate you having you in my life and we can talk about things that um, you know, I've never had that chance to talk about before. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have um friends that are also part of the same community as you mm-hmm. because like you said sometimes there there are things you're like i don't know like am i supposed to be feeling this way am mm-hmm. i is it okay do you also feel this way and then we actually realize because sometimes you can feel that this is not right but you don't know what to call it right yes, so absolutely. you need to then you know talk to some people and you need someone to validate your feelings yeah that's what it is because sometimes if I'm feeling a certain way, I'm like, this is me. I'm the only person in the world feeling this way. Yeah. But when you start to share those vulnerable experiences, you're like, you know what? It's not just me. Like, this is valid. I mm. should be experiencing these emotions. Like, um, I, I feel like I'm allowed to feel that way. And that's changed my, that's like changed my perspective a lot. You know, I feel a lot better because I can share that and I can feel comfortable in those spaces. Right. So do you treat your friendships um, within this black community do you it's so hard to 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 put this question but it's like mm-hmm. i'm trying to say do you do you treat them differently um on the basis that you you guys are black like for me i'm from zimbabwe mm-hmm. am i more lenient towards my zimbabwean friends when they mess up um just because of the fact that we are zimbabwean so i'm mm-hmm. trying to ask you like when your black friends mess up or they're just yeah they've just messed up and they hurt you so much. Do you just excuse it and say, well, we're black and we need to stick together? Or you actually just say, this is not okay. And- no, I'll I'll hold them accountable. I'll right. hold them accountable for sure. But like I say, I'm very picky mm-hmm. with the people that I keep and hold close in my life. Right. I don't I do not do toxic friendships. Mm. That That's something that I've come to learn, but I don't do toxic friendships. If they're not, um, you know, adding something to my life, if I don't feel like I'm gaining anything, if we're not benefiting, benefiting and bettering each other right. then that's not someone i want close to me mm-hmm. um so if somebody does make that mistake regardless of who they are like i'll hope, hold them accountable for it i'll have that discussion with them but i've been very very lucky with the people that i've chosen to keep close in my life that's not really an issue i run into um and if it is they're not in my life anymore <laughs> how do you know that you're not the toxic one yeah i could be <laughs> you know it, that, it could be me, you know, but I, I welcome them holding me accountable too. Right. You know, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm mm. not saying I knew everything. I welcome those uncomfortable conversations. Um, so I think in that way, just because I'm open to having those conversations, I'm open to have my, having my opinion changed. Right. Um, that's how I try and keep myself in check in right. that way, for sure. I think just before we go back to what we're talking about, that mm. made me think about a video that I saw and someone was talking about um we should normalize people changing their goals and their dreams Mm -hmm. you'll hear me say that i want to buy 
a new car or something new but then when i gain the knowledge that it's not smart for me to do that uh-huh. i'm allowed to change my goals and i feel like sometimes we we look down on people because we think that they're very iffy like they they're not um settled mm-hmm. anyway back to <laughs> what we were talking about um yeah it's it's i think it's very difficult to know when you're the toxic one yeah. and i feel like we all sometimes sit and think am i the drama yeah am I is, the it dr- me? is it me am i the problem like yeah. <laughs> i think that's something that i that i really struggle with but i think being open to mm-hmm. i think also having friends that correct you when you're wrong oh, absolutely shows that they care about you yeah if they're just quiet that's questionable mm-hmm what do you think that means when your friends don't correct you? But it's like you're always saying, you guys, I don't like this. You guys. What does that mean when you are, when you don't receive that kind of um, correction from your friends or that criticism? Yeah. Well, I think you have to make the space open. You have to make the space comfortable to receive that either criticism or that correction or just acknowledging what has happened. So it's a me problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it depends. It really depends on the people you surround yourself with. That's right. such a big thing. And like I say, I really I really try and surround myself with people that I think, um, you know, we're like bettering each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're helping each other through life. We're learning. We're growing together. Like that's something I really value in a friendship. Mm-hmm. And it's I've not had very many experiences where I've been like, you know what? That's not you're not doing that for me. Right. Um, but in the same way, I might not be doing that for them. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to acknowledge that that's OK. I might not be the best person you at this time in your life um so just letting that go people grow apart and i think you know we should be okay acknowledging that for sure right okay let's talk uh covid okay what did you do like what were you doing with your family i was doing i was in the house 25 i'm already a homebody but this was just like (laughs) homebody to the max it was funny i had sometimes my friends would visit me through my window my room is like uh like a basement suite kind of thing so my window is on the ground. So sometimes we'd sit and we'd have a conversation through the window, um, <laughs> like early, early COVID when I was like, I was like, okay, I'm not leaving the house. Like I'm, I'm going to get sick. Yeah. Um, but I did not do a lot. It was, it was a lot of Netflix, it was mm. a lot of reading. Actually, I started doing embroidery. That was nice. my thing for a while. Yeah. yeah. Literally just anything to keep me, uh, like keep my brain occupied that we weren't like the world wasn't something crazy right now yeah i feel like i'm also a homebody but i'm not a homebody when it's imposed like i should <laughs> choose the terms of yeah me i want to choose body. to be a homebody i don't want someone <laughs> to tell me because when someone tells me i have to do it then i immediately don't want to. i'm like no i yeah. need to go out like, <laughs> i need to see the world i was sho- i was shopping so much and i was like all these clothes that i'm not gonna wear where am i gonna wear them exactly and i'm already a homebody like <laughs> it was like joggers sweaters 24 7 um <laughs> No, I didn't wear jeans for probably like three months. Yeah. The first time I put those on, that was humbling. That was a humbling experience. Um, yeah, I if you would let me live in joggers for the rest of my life, I would. Mm. That's that's my outfit of choice. <laughs> I feel like I hate jeans now because yeah. of that experience. And also they just like you've gained weight yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um like I say, it was humbling. I put them on, I was like, these don't fit like they used to. <laughs> um, you know, but that's okay. That's that is okay. okay. Yeah. Acknowledging that change is okay is a big theme mm. of my life, I would say. That's good. Um, did you not feel like there was something that you're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing? Like, Yeah, yeah. that was a big thing. 
because you would see people were starting podcasts or people mm. were like starting fitness journeys and I was like why can't I just exist so much is happening right now I feel like I should just exist and not feel this like external pressure to do something with my time mm-hmm. um you know even my mom was like you, you need to learn a skill you need to learn a craft like you have all this time and I was like but I don't want to I have no motivation to do that right now I'm like trapped yeah <laughs> you know so like that was definitely a big thing um and then obviously then I started my first year of university online which was crazy mm-hmm. um so, and, and that was like a difficult like make friends and oh my gosh you were one of those i was one of those i mean i did do dual credit so whilst i was in my last year of high school i took some university classes but you don't get the full experience yeah so then when i was actually in university and i started you know my full five classes full semester i was all online so it was like super weird Mm. to start with for sure Oh my gosh. So I bet when you went on campus this semester, you were just like, wow. Yeah. Honestly, the worst <laughs> thing was picking out an outfit every day. I had Aww. done my first year yeah. in pajamas. In pajamas, judges, right. like no one was, I always, I was like the black screen, like nobody, I had yeah. the camera off. Nobody yeah. was seeing the hot mess I woke up as. Right. And then I go into school and I'm like, okay. But you know, it was super fun. Like I got to meet all those people who were like behind the screen because mm-hmm. I had most of the classes with the same people. Right. So that was fun, like being able to create study groups and like yeah. seeing each other like out of school and like arranging hangups and studying in the library. Like, yeah. you know, I found some really awesome people that way that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if we were still online. Right. Yeah. I feel sorry for you because I feel like, you know, first year everyone is still wearing their best clothes and dressing up. <laughs> And then second year, you kind of tone it down. And then third year, you get so humbled. And mm-hmm. then fourth year, you're just like, as long as I'm here, yeah, don't ask me anything. Yeah, I <laughs> kind of stripped straight, skipped straight to the fourth year. Yeah. I'm like, you know, first <laughs> week, you know, I'll, I'll plan out my fits to an extent. But then, you know, I'm wearing joggers. And if you see me, you see me. If you don't, you don't. It's, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, have you joined any clubs on campus or? You know, I really wanted to join uh, the business uh, student union or student association but mm-hmm. I don't know if it was running the same way it used to prior to COVID and I think that's something that COVID impacted a lot of the clubs on right. campus yeah um so I haven't really had the opportunity to join uh the clubs like I would want to mm-hmm. uh and maybe that's something I'll explore more in third and fourth year now like everybody's kind of settled on campus but no first year I didn't see the opportunity to do so and second year I was like not overwhelmed but I was still getting used to being on campus being in person I didn't want to add more things to that but Mm -hmm. I would say next year joining some clubs is something I might definitely explore we'll see like it's schedule wise because I've always always had five classes Mm. every semester so you know it's been kind of intense okay I'm just jumping back and forth with my questions Mm -hmm. how is the diet at home the diet yeah like how um your dad's Ghanaian your mom is English Mm -hmm. so how do you guys like navigate the meals? Yeah, well, my dad uh, is kind of like a one-hit wonder. Yeah, he can cook one thing, <laughs> and it's and you know it's, it's like no, it's like it's jollof rice. Okay. That's that's his thing. That's that's, that's cool. you know, and I know there's a whole of debate with like Ghanaian uh, versus Nigerian jollof rice. Yeah, Ghanaian's definitely better. I haven't tried the other one, but that's just from my experience. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's like that's all he'll make. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great but then mm-hmm. no, my mom does a lot of the cooking mm-hmm. and yeah so we'll have like but even just weird meals that we might have like I have like beans on toast and I when I told people that they were like that's so weird I'm like that's standard British food yeah that's like uh, a full English breakfast like you're looking at beans on toast eggs like black bacon pudding, yeah. you know like that's the vibe yeah so even just the difference between the foods I would eat in England and the foods I eat here 
they weren't totally different, but you would definitely see like cultural differences, and people yeah. are like that is I've never had that in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I remember the other day at work, um, we were talking about staple foods, and I I just been asked about my staple food, and then I explained right, mm-hmm. and then I asked, so what is Canada's staple food? Mm-hmm. And it took them a long time because yeah, the other lady came in and she said, um, poutine, and I'm like, that's not a staple food though mm-hmm. like sta- staple do you know what staple food is? yeah like, i'm like guys that's not a staple that's just fries yeah and, exactly and cheese, bro like yeah and she was like i don't think we have and i'm like yeah not the same i don't <laughs> think they they have it the same for sure like, yeah um in england i don't know maybe it would be like well we have like fish and chips is a big thing okay. like getting a little a chippy like on a saturday night like yeah. that's a big thing yeah um like you know we have like the full english just like little like standard meals which aren't the same over here mm-hmm. you know like i've never had i haven't had a good chippy since i've come here <laughs> i mean you and can prove me wrong but I'm, I'm yet to have one okay so a chippy would be fries no well yeah fries but it, they're not fries they're like fat we call them chips oh That's wait wait i feel like, like i had those in my country they're not like the dry fries they're not like small fries you get from mcdonald's it's like a, it's a it's a chunky fry it's a chunky fry is it like it's wobbly it's not yeah it's not stiff yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's so amazing like, uh-huh. i'm so excited <laughs> and you get like so mushy peas with it or you get like gravy like yeah. yeah i really love those and um in my country they'll sell them in this little clear plastic and then you can put some vinegar with yeah, it yeah. like like salt and vinegar on it mm-hmm. oh my gosh I miss <laughs> we used to get them in like uh, when when we go like on the beach and stuff yeah you'd get them like in little wrapped up newspapers like oh that was like and it was, that was super cute because they used to do that like um in the olden days yeah so cool. I, in the olden days like the 50s <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay everybody you're listening to tvt on chly um 11.7 with mish and millie mai we're just going to take a little break um and listen to a song called little things by indiari and um yeah our guest recommended the song so we're going to ask her what she thinks about it and why she chose it So stay tuned and yeah. Joy they bring 
my focus, lost sight of my goals. I do this for the love of music, not for the glitter and gold. Got everything that I prayed for, even a little more. When I asked to learn humility, this is what I was told. And the joy they bring, it's the little thing. Hi everybody, welcome back to TVT. This is your host Mish with Millie Mai and we were just catching up and hanging out. Millie Mai, tell me about your experience when you arrived in Nanaimo. Well, just generally, just existing as a black person in Nanaimo. What does that look like? Existing as a black person in Nanaimo. It's an interesting question because everybody's experience is so different. Um, but for me, like I say, I am very kind of acclimatized to like living in a PWI. It's all I know, pretty mm-hmm. much. So when I came here, it it wasn't much different to England, but the difference was like, you know, I was getting older and like I was getting more, you know, becoming more comfortable with my own identity. Right. But that can be difficult when you're surrounded by people that look nothing like you. Mm. Like you don't really share those kind of values with you don't have the same hair you don't have the same skin texture like just little things like that and you start to pick up on that you know um and that's something that i noticed a lot when i first moved here was like trying to be comfortable with my own black identity whilst also making friends primarily with white people it mm. was it was an interesting dynamic i had going on hair yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into that like um that was one thing that i was super worried about moving mm. here was Who's going to braid my hair? Right. Because, um, you know, I'm a big fan of box braids, uh, but I can't do them myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have the talent. I don't have the skill. I cannot part the back of my head. Um, and in England, I had a braider. You know, it was like an African auntie kind of vibe. She mm. braided my hair since I was like 12 until 16. So I was super worried moving here. I was like, who, who is going to do that for me? Like, I, I didn't know what the black population was like over here. Um, so I had to ask around. I found only two people that I saw in my high school that were black. Actually, one of the girls was on your radio show last week. Like, Kiana, she's the first girl I saw. I'm yeah. like, Why did, who braids your hair? Yeah. And where did you get your braiding hair yeah. from? <laughs> and, you know, she came in close that she gave me uh, some places to get it from. But, like, even just the prices for braiding hair are, like, extortionate. Like, for, like, what, six packs of hair, seven packs of hair, I'm paying $70, $80. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I'm paying, like, 200 
300 dollars to mm-hmm. get my hair braided mm-hmm. i'm not made of money i'm broke <laughs> so, so i'm not made of money you know um but like but like i mean and i love the way it comes out on my braid she's awesome she does some amazing stuff i had these beautiful like fulani braids last summer yeah um but you know just like so plug her yeah i'd say uh julie she's awesome i you know julie oh yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah i know her yeah she's the best check her out on instagram um she literally is the only girl i would trust uh with my hair yeah In her hands she'll do amazing things shame you came um well I feel like you've always been here. I wish you had sent me a message. You also had Vicky. Yeah. Vicky is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in band now. But she she was just an awesome person because she wasn't really... Like, I had a conversation with her, and she was just saying that she doesn't do it for the money. Mm-hmm. Like, she's educated, and she just does it for the connections that, that it brings and stuff like that. That's and it's, the thing. It's, it's her very... prices are not extortionate. Like, mm-hmm. they are not crazy. You can mm-hmm. actually afford to get your hair done. Like, it's, it's, it's really nice. And I feel like... People need to remember that, but it's hard because you're also trying to make it in this Canada. Oh, and this, so yeah. People then overprice things, but then I think her business has grown because of her attitude of wanting to meet people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's another like lens that people should take uh, or look through rather, mm-hmm. um, of thinking of relationships first um, before money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's hard though, but and like it's honestly to me because I can be sat in that braiding chair for upwards of seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like, it's a therapy session. Right. Like we'll be talking through like my issues, like everything that's going on. And I come out of it and I have like a bomb hairstyle, but I also, I'm like, oh, I feel lighter. Right. I feel like I've just had an amazing free, well, not free therapy, but like, yeah. you know, I just feel like I've just had this amazing conversation with this beautiful black woman who can also relate to my experiences. Mm-hmm. And just having those conversations, you know, it makes me feel like 10 times better, you know? There's a store in this city. I'm not going to call it out, but people are probably going to know. I went to um, get braids from there. They were, at the time that I went, they were like $12, $13 for one packet of braids, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I asked them about the person who, like their source, where they get them from. Yeah. <laughs> they cost $1. You're joking. I know exactly the story you're talking about. <laughs> that's where I get the hat from. Yo, if you, if you, if you think it's, it's, it's um, if, if you think it's you, you, if you can hear this and you think it's you, that's you catching straight bullets because I did <laughs> not say anybody's name. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying like $1. And the thing is when you buy things for wholesale, you probably get them for 50 cents. Mm-hmm. So they are making $12 from spending 50 cents. Yeah. And I mean, like even Ugh. in England, I went to like, um, a black hair store to right. buy my um extensions mm-hmm. so i could buy like six packs of hair and it would be like 10 pounds which is like what i don't know 20 dollars something and i'm like if why i i don't know it's just it's overpriced but it's also like why are they doing that you know yeah you know in my country you buy braids for um one dollar for two packets of braids Mm-hmm. So you can get expression braids for like 50 cents. Yeah. And that's 50 American cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's about like maybe 30 cents or 40 cents for Canadian, for the Canadian dollar. Mm-hmm. Also, um, braiding hair, when I want a really difficult um, hairstyle, my braider charges me $15. Yeah. That's, that's a really, ex- that's the most expensive. That's crazy. So the cheapest would be like 10 US dollars. Yeah. It's, it's, 
that's a basic style. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. Like, but the thing is, they eat like just braiders in general, um, and especially if you go to places like Vancouver and you know things like that. Like, they can overcharge just mm-hmm. because who else are you gonna go to? You yeah, know? you don't have any other options. Right. If you can't do your own hair, you don't have a lot of choice because that's the problem. And especially like in places like this, like there is not one place that I I would feel comfortable going to right now where I could be like, could you just like wash my hair, like blow dry it out, mm. I can get like a silk press and a chop. I feel like I would have to go all the way to Vancouver to get that done. Right. I've never had my hair cut for yeah. that reason. Yeah. Where am I gonna go? You know? You know, um in December I was in Montreal and braids they were three dollars, four dollars, mm-hmm. which is definitely a better price and I think it's more sensible if they are buying them for one dollar and making three dollars. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's much better. But like I feel like because there was a lot there were so many stores there that are selling it, there's no need to overprice things because you're chasing away competition to the people that exactly. sell them for low. So yeah. here just there's a lot of monopolies in the city in terms oh, of um, black hair. So people can just charge anything and get away with it and there are people that are promoting those businesses. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if you can afford it, but I think we need to consider that most times people that are needing these services mm-hmm. are students right the mm-hmm. was a student um city it's a university town so mm-hmm. you know it's it's just really sad yeah i really want to support you bro but i don't that kind that's my paycheck this yeah. month <laughs> i gotta like save up and like go once again and i love the way it looks and i like i appreciate it so much but like i yeah it's it's crazy that i can't where well, I, I have friends who you know they'll go get their haircut every eight weeks mm. because it's it's not like that because there are so many white hair salons here mm-hmm. that they don't have to right. you know, upcharge. And I mean, that's part of the problem is the education. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it starts. Like I just read a paper on this where it's like the education of hairdressers in general. They're like primarily taught how to deal with like, you know, white Caucasian hair. Right. Um, and it's funny because I only know of one like black barbershop here. Mm-hmm. I believe it's like Sea uh, Money's barbershop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I know he takes white clients. He well. does. Like, he knows how to do it. Like, his staff know how to do it. Can I tell you something? Yeah. See, Money actually, um, I don't know why I'm I'm promoting him, <laughs> <laughs> but that's gang, actually. But See, Money actually um, trained one of the ladies that he works with. I think her name is Diana. Mm-hmm. And she can, she can cut. She actually, like, cut and dyed a black lady's hair. It looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's actually learning how to braid. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. they are people that are willing, but there's no one who's going to teach them. Because yeah. Simani also has to do his job, right? Exactly. That's the, like, he can't be teaching everyone. And that's the problem. Like, I, I would not feel comfortable calling up any of the salons right now. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the white salons and asking them, you know, can you do my hair? Because they've not. And it's not their fault that they've not been trained how to do my hair. Right. But why haven't they been? And I'm not saying, like, I, I come out here and I, I'm not saying that we need, like, as many, uh, you know, black hair shops as we have for white hair shops. Like, right. the black population here is very small. But I don't think just because of that, we should be denied that privilege that everybody else has. It should know? be a requirement. Just like yeah. learning a, a second language in uni is a requirement. Like, mm-hmm. everyone has to, at some point, do English or a second language. Like, exactly. you have to do something. So, in hairdressing schools why don't they just make all types of hair a requirement? Like, at least know how to wash it, at least know how to give it a silk press, at least know how to cut it. And, like, that's the thing as well, like, because, you know, people go to hairdressers and then they choose their thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're super into hair cutting, they're super into, like, coloring and dyeing. Like, they can learn, but they they learn everything. Right. And then they choose. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we, you know, as black women with black hair, why aren't we added into that curriculum? Right. Because it's so primarily just, like, uh, Caucasian hair. So then right. they come out and they only have one skill. And then 
when I was writing this paper, I was looking it up. I was looking up natural hair salons. And when you look that up, like natural hair salon in an email, it's all Caucasian white hair. Mm. There's, uh, and it's like, that's that's crazy to me. And I'll go and look on the pictures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they all have this, like, straight hair. Even even like the curly girls who have loose curls. Like, right. you know, 2, uh, two C, like 3A. They're not even represented on this list. Right. You know, I don't feel like a lot of them would feel comfortable getting their hair cut like this. But then me, I have like type 4 hair, like mm-hmm. 4A, 4B, 4C on some days, you know. Yeah. Depends <laughs> how much I manipulate it. Um, but like it's it's crazy to me that, you know, very little people in this town know how to work with my hair. Mm-hmm. And I would actually feel comfortable allowing them to do that. Like sometimes I just want to go and be pampered. You know, right. I, I want someone to like wash my hair, like give it like a detox treatment and then like trim it. But I have to do all of that myself. And watch days take a long time. I know. it's. I have to amp myself up to do that, and then it's like a two-day process. Honestly, I just went through a phase with all of my friends, and I was like, I need to cut my hair. I still have it, but I feel like I'm a bit better now. But I just went through this phase, like, I just need to cut my hair. That mm-hmm. way I can just peacefully exist <laughs> and not explain why this week looks like this today. Yes. All my hair looks like this today. Like, I just want to have hair. Like, I just yeah. want to walk and not be ass. You yeah, know? Like, you cannot exist as a black person in this town without being questioned in some capacity. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, with your hair, just wearing your natural hair, even wearing it to work or somewhere like that, or wearing it to school, you're constantly going to get questions. If you yeah. get braids, I didn't know your hair was that long. You know, if you shave right. it all off, oh, my gosh, that's, that's so bold, bold yeah. of you. Yeah. Or, like, if you wear out your, like, natural fro, like, oh, my God, can I touch it? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's my hair, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not wearing it for you, I'm wearing it for me, yeah. you know? And I'm not saying that, like, I don't appreciate, like, compliments and things like that because they rarely come from a, a place of malicious intent. Right. But it's just, it can be very draining mm-hmm. to constantly have to explain yourself to people. Why do I have to explain <gasps> the way that my hair is right now? No, I just, Why can't you I, just accept it and leave it at that, you know? I, I don't like that. I think just always explaining, explaining your hair, your outfits, the way you talk, the way you eat, what you eat. Like, it's oh, it's so hard. Like, it's so much. And I think, um, for me personally, it's, it's really draining and I get so mm-hmm. tired. And I end up just not being rude, but then it's just, I just twist the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Not lie, but twist the truth because yeah. it's just like, you're going to ask me, is that your real hair? I'll be like, yeah. Because I don't want to then explain like, okay, that no, I just, and, uh, it's yeah. so exhausting. Like, just let me exist. And I feel like sometimes you can feel it when it comes from a bad place, right? Mm-hmm. At the, at, for those who are listening, it's not like we're saying don't ask people, but just know, um, just have boundaries. Okay. Yeah. What is knowing whether my hair is real or not going to add to our conversation? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like that's going to do much. If you're going to ask me where I'm from because my accent sounds different, if mm-hmm. you're asking from a good place, I will tell you. Absolutely. I don't mind because, you know, we're all different and difference is not necessarily a bad thing. I think part of the thing is I don't want to be the educator. Of all things, black hair cap, <laughs> black people, black accents, Africa. I don't have all the answers. I, I really don't. Right. I also don't um, and, you know, I feel like I'm not going around saying, oh, my God, how did you get your hair like this? You know, to people with Caucasian hair. Yeah. How did you do this? How did you do that? Like, why do you look like this? Do you tan? Oh, my God. Do you tan? Every single summer. That is a question to me. Like, of course I tan. Everybody tans. It's the sun, yeah. you know? Um, and it's 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 crazy because I don't want to be the educator of all things. Mm. You should educate yourself, and then if you if you have questions on something specific that I, you know I can help you with, I have no problem answering that. But right. I don't want you to think I have all of this knowledge and that I am the one who has to bestow it to you. I have no 
duty. You know, I have no obligation to have to tell you things. You just think I do. Yeah, I think with that point, I just came to the realization that there's always need to um, assert difference. There's mm-hmm. always need to, you know, make other f- people feel like, okay, you're not from here, but to what end? Like, what's the point of that? We yeah. can just have a normal conversation. Like, it's not something that needs to be constantly acknowledged. Yeah. You know? And I, I mean, that's like, that's been a thing here because I've come here and, you know, like, I, I'm like, I'm a mixed person. I have a British accent. Like, I have an Afro. There are all these different things that they want to talk to me about. And it's Confusion. Like, what, like, what do I say? Because it's not all adding up. Yeah. Like, I feel like my, <laughs> the, if you don't know me, the way I speak doesn't always match the way I look. It really depends on the day. Right. So it's, they always, sometimes I have this look of confusion or like I wasn't anticipating that but like I don't know if I should ask about it yeah because first of all like why how do you even know how to speak English like exactly and then it's like you can't speak English and you have a British accent whoa we've never seen that yeah and then and then you get the questions like where are you from because I doesn't sound like I'm from Canada but then it's like a are you actually from there because your accent is British but you don't look British and it's all this stuff yeah it's, it's like this never-ending cycle of questions okay but why do you think people why do you think people do that why i couldn't tell you i really couldn't and i mean part of it maybe here is that they don't see as many um you know people of color but i don't think that's an excuse Mm. i think you know google is there if they have these questions (laughs) it's free it doesn't have to come to us and i and i and i know this is a problem for other people because i've spoke to them about it it's it's that just constantly answering questions Mm -hmm. that they could have easily sourced from someone else you know I can feel this conversation becoming exhausting in itself because yeah, <laughs> just talking about it, it's, like, it's frustrating. It gets me like, riled. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time you meet another black person, it's like we're asking, "Do you go through this as well?" Yeah, but like, like why are we doing that? Right? Like, like uh, you know, my closest black friends, I feel like most of our conversations turn to something like this. Mm-hmm. Why are we having to have this conversation? I don't have this conversation with my other friends. Right? You know, um, like we can just have a normal conversation about boring things mm-hmm. just existing in a normal space it doesn't have to constantly be about like oppression or being asked questions things like that and it's like why is that it's different right i don't know i don't have the answer to that question it's just something that i feel like we all go through and we all acknowledge but we never do anything about it you yeah know? so do you think if you had gone to um a university in the uk your experience would be different no yeah because I mean, it depends where in the UK I would have gone, but the places that I would have gone, I think I would have had a very similar experience in terms of going to, like, you know, a PWI. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would have been, like, a bigger black community there as opposed to, like, my high school. Same with here, right. you know. There were more black people at, at VIU than there was at NDSS, but um, it's it's still, like, a very small amount. It's still a very small amount of the population, and it's rare that you find them. If you're in different programs, you'll never see them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hadn't met you till today, and probably because we weren't in the same program, I never would have had the opportunity to. Right. Um, I think the difference would have been if I went to, you know, somewhere where they didn't just have that primarily white population. Mm. But then I don't know how that would have been either, because that's all I know, right. you know? I, I've, it's, it's almost like I have grew up in this different environment, how would I act if I was in an environment that was, like, prim- primarily black? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never been in that situation before. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to talk about because I, people don't talk about it a lot because it's uncomfortable, and that's why they don't want to talk is, about it. It is, and, and most times we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to make everyone else uncomfortable, right? Yeah. We don't want to make the others 
the main ones. We don't want to make them uncomfortable, do we? No. Exactly. You know, <laughs> because they, a lot of people, and I mean, this is everybody, like, being uncomfortable is uncomfortable. You don't want to have those types of conversations. <laughs> it is uncomfortable. Um, but it's like, sometimes you have to. Otherwise, they'll never get spoken about. They'll never get acknowledged. Right. And then we're all just going to be living in this, like, blissful ignorance. And I think where we need to start is making sure that, because the things that we, we don't want to say um, to make those other ones um, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Why am I saying those other ones? That's like ex- exclusionary. <laughs> White people in um, uncomfortable are the things that really need to be dealt with, right? Yeah. Like we need to talk about our hair. We need to talk about like being questioned about our hair and skin color and our accents and all that. So mm-hmm. I have seen that difference. So I think especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. people have become a lot more open to having these conversations. Right. Um, the they're less likely to be like, you know, where are you from? Where are you really from? Mm-hmm. I feel like they've started to acknowledge that. And this is just everybody who was never in that vicinity. Right. But um, there's definitely still a ways to go, for sure. Right. So I was listening um, to this girl talk. She just had a live and she was saying that um, she's all about people's rights and black mm-hmm. people's rights and stuff like that. And she said that I want people to know that my platform is not a platform to hate on white people or privileged people, mm-hmm. but it's just to promote um, what we're going through. And I feel like sometimes it comes off like we hate. Yeah. <laughs> of which is not even hate. No, like not at we all. L- we, what we're asking for is just equality and treatment and equality and, and opportunities and also have the experience of knowing that Last week, I went to this person to get my hair. Next week, I want to try someone new. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. We literally will ask, who did your hair? Yeah. And we'll all go, go there. You know, and it, it's, it's just, it sucks because we don't have the opportunity of choice. Mm. Like, we can't choose. We can't. Um, and that's what we're talking about. So this yeah. is in, in no way a space for hating anyone. Absolutely. We not. just love, um, we love everyone. And this is a platform to promote those who haven't been given a platform to speak yeah exactly yeah. and like like i say because i've grown up in primarily white spaces mm-hmm. most of the closest people in my life are white and i adore them and i love them and right. there's there's it's funny because we, there's, we don't acknowledge that difference it's not right. ever something that comes in the way yeah and i can also have these conversations with them and they'll mm-hmm. respond um gracefully and they'll be like so open to listening and right. you know i really appreciate that from mm-hmm. them because you can't always do that with everybody right and this just always goes back to the people that i want surrounding me in my life i want them to be you know the best people that i could have for myself you know which sounds selfish but <laughs> but you know i also want to be the best for them no as well. but you need to be <laughs> selfish with your happiness so that is justified mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> okay on a lighter note what do you like eating oh i <laughs> I grew up a very picky eater. Yeah. It was, it was bad, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like anything spicy. I didn't like any sauce. I was like, you go to a restaurant, I'm ordering chicken nuggets and chips. Like, that's... Oh, chicken nuggets and fries. Like, that's the vibe. Yeah. Um, it's got better. Like, I'll stop saying, like, can I get, like, a burger with no cheese? Like, but it's it's still... It's what still, do you mean a burger with no cheese? Like, I, I am, like, a plain girl. I don't like anything. No cheese? Yeah. I feel like I could get a, a burger with cheese, only no meat. Yeah, no, that's I like, a lie, obviously. But I mean, <laughs> cheese is like the main actor. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. I mean, it's definitely got better because my friends are bullying me. <laughs> They'd be like, 
why why are you ordering like a plain cheese bag at this fancy restaurant because <laughs> like, i don't want to eat and i think one day i ordered like um it was like some kind of like prawn pasta and mm-hmm. we were all so excited we we're all taking pictures of my meal and like look Millie like ordered something that wasn't like <laughs> just like chicken nuggets from a restaurant so it's getting i'm being more open to more kind of foods yeah. but the problem is i hate to cook yeah i hate it i hate it i hate it i cannot i don't understand why i would spend an hour cooking to eat for 20 minutes i'm hoping that i get rich enough that i have a butler yeah i can cook all the food for me or like marry a chef these are yeah. my two options right now yeah. because i'm really not feeling like i'm ever gonna learn kind of thing uh my parents were a little concerned that i'm 20 and i can't cook but that's that's fine i'll figure out as far as I need to. Yeah, you That's need to the tell them that the world is changing. There's no requirements for women to not to cook anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's not even just that. It's it's for myself. If yeah. they left me alone for a week, could I spend for myself and cook? Or would I burn the house down? I don't know. You, you know? can just, you know, make some poutine, girl. Well, <laughs> I don't want to say anything to, to offend some, some Canadian people out there about poutine, so I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Yeah. Okay, do you have a favorite song or a favorite movie? No, in fact, no, that's not even the question I want to ask. Okay. You want to work at Google one day. I do. That is so exciting. That's the goal. I'm so happy that we got to experience you say this. Yeah. Because now it's out into the world. And when you start working there, I'm going to like just cut off the loop, like this portion of the conversation and say, yeah, we knew. You You know, I'm saying this when I get interviewed in the future and I say, I really want to work for Google. You know, actually, I kind of want to be the CEO one day. I think I could do it when I am the CEO. Wouldn't this look good? Ah! This will look great when they they play this back. (laughs) But now I have to do it because, you know, I've said it out loud. Everybody's heard it. But no, that's the goal. I mean, I really want to be like a marketing manager. Right. I like the fact that. I like big tech. I, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I think it's a really cool developing world. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. But I also like the fact that it it can impact so many people. So my ideas can make a difference. And yeah. also, I can be that representation that I would have wanted to see when I was younger. I love that. You know, the fact that, you know, a little a little black girl in Africa can see me doing that and be like, you know what? I can do that too. Right. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And I want to be that representation for people. But I also want to do something that I love doing, something that can make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the goal is to, to work for Google. That's definitely the first thing that I thought about because I was like, I don't think I've, um, you know, okay, I don't, I haven't researched much about tech and stuff, but <laughs> I don't think I know any black woman that I can say she's in tech, you know? And it's just amazing that I'm going to see you and if I have a daughter one day, she can see my niece and my nephew can, you mm-hmm. know, see a person I'd be like, I know her. And I mean, there are some amazing people that, have gone down the same path, some really cool black women who are able to be like uh, in tech and they're working marketing. But that representation for me was like, you know what, they did it so I can do it. And right. then I can be that for someone else. You know, that's that's the goal for sure. That's amazing. And I think um, always having representation is important. I mm-hmm. saw, um, I'm not too sure of her name, but she's an indigenous lady. Mm-hmm. And um, she recently got featured on the cover of a magazine called Elle. And yeah. I posted it on the Instagram for That's the awesome. Vulnerability Talk Show. And she was crying because she was just like, growing up, I'd never seen representation like this, yeah. you know, like it's indigenous people. And it was such an amazing video. Like, it was so uplifting. And I thought, you know, this started as a dream. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a dream and she made it happen you know yeah. so even yeah. when i went into the chapters bookstore the other day and i was just walking through looking for something and i ended up um going past the children's books yeah and they had all of this like they had like little black girls with afros on the front and then yeah. they had like 
indigenous representation like on the front covers of these books and I was like I wish I had that growing up because that's it it makes a big difference seeing yourself on screen it's Mm. a big big thing um so I really hope that that is something that can continue to change and we can continue to see in the future for sure right so we've come to the end of our show but thank you so much for coming it's been such a pleasure to have you thank you thank you for being open and um talking about your life you didn't have to but you did (laughs) you did well i loved being here and i'm super super grateful for this opportunity so thank you to you as well awesome thank you guys for tuning in we've come to the end of our show um i hope you guys have a great week i hope you stay warm and um always carry a jacket because the weather in the city is definitely um weird you know but thank you for tuning in see you next week same time same place and now we're going to close off with a song by harry styles called golden love this song have a good week Yeah.